Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Lori Crouch and Victoria Osteen host New York Times bestselling author and beloved Bible teacher, Beth Moore. They share their thoughts on motherhood and reflect on the gift of grace children offer our everyday lives. Tonight, we have brought to you some of the best, most beautiful women I think I could possibly uh, bring to Victoria Osteen. Thank you. I love you. And our special guest tonight, the one and only Beth Moore. Thank you. Probably one of my most favorite people in the whole world. Well, she listen, makes me laugh. That is reciprocated, my friend. <laughs> I love that you is so reciprocated. Much. Been I too long. You. Way too long. I nearly picked her up. You know, Lori is so tiny. I don't know if you can tell that on screen, but you could just like pick her up like a tiny little rag doll. And I, pick, I just want to pick her up and I said, I'm going to take you home. <laughs> is she just someone you want to take home with you, isn't she, oh, Victoria? Precious. Yes. Precious. I'm just oh, glad to be on with my Texas girlfriend. I mean it. I mean it. So that, you know, our accents. We could, at least we'll be able to understand one yes. another, Victoria. Yes. We even come from the same city. So we're coming, we're bringing it in from Houston, Texas today. Yes. Well, welcome to sunny California. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? California and what a beautiful girl. audience. I know. My goodness. We've got Thank the you best for group. Tonight. This is awesome. Hey, tonight we are going to be talking about Beth's book, Feathers from My Nest. You might be seeing us cry all night because we're talking about our children. And first of all, she just slays me with her humor. But um, what an amazing book. And you never even thought this was going to be a book, did you? No, no. Truly, I wrote the book because I was trying to process having an empty nest. And when Keith and I married, we had been told that I was going to need surgery. And I had no reason to think otherwise because it had taken my mother nine years to conceive. And I had some of her same physical problems. And so we, of course, believed them. There was no other... uh, a real um, option, so we just went on into marriage thinking that it would probably be years in surgery and then we'd start a family. Well, nine months and two weeks after the day we married, we gave birth to our first <laughs> child. And so an empty nest was a shock because we had almost had no other kind of home. We knew so quickly in, all I knew, I was so sick and I told my mother, I said, marriage has made me ill. <laughs> I said, I, she said, well, what are your symptoms? And I said, well, every day, I said, it's like, I don't even want to get out of the bed. I said, I'm so tired. And I said, I've been throwing up. And she said, when have you been throwing up? And I said, you know, I just do it every single day. I mean, I just try to greet the day and I'm already throwing up. And she finally is going like, wait a second, you're not sick. You're expecting. And she was exactly right. And so from the earliest days, from the first couple of months, we were already making room in our minds that we were more than two. And so when they launched, it was a shock, and it always is. But what, what the name comes from, Feathers from My Nest, it was that my, my, my birds had flown, but everywhere you look, there were feathers left, just things that reminded me of them and, and things that would capture a moment in our home or a season in time. And it would just be simple things. Like one of them was finding a crumpled up Kleenex under the edge of my oldest daughter's bed. And I knew that it meant she had cried in the night and that it would have been something that I I may not have even known about. What was her heart broken about? That she would have cried and she would have stuck that Kleenex under the bed. I knew that the only reason she would have hidden it was because she was hiding what her heart was broken about. Otherwise, if she had a cold, it would be right there on the bedside table. Things like that, that they just, that they left behind that reminded me of all these seasons of motherhood. Mm. Did you, did you write down, did you, I know you keep a journal every day. Did you back then too? Oh, absolutely. Journal of everything. Absolutely. You know, I, I was truly, uh, a writer of sorts, even in childhood, I would scribble across 
big chief tablets, even when I had no idea what I was writing. I mean, I would think in my mind I knew what I was writing, but I was just <laughs> scratching like my idea of cursive. And so I've always journaled and written things down. And even at that point, what became the book was that I, I would jot down something that I had seen that reminded me of them, like a stack of binders in the uh, closet of one of my daughter's uh, rooms and all of those kinds of things. And I just began to, to write down all of these feathers that they'd left behind and then to process it. Mm -hmm. I just think the way that I get through something is I do it in words. Yeah. And uh, some people do it in images and, and, and that kind of thing, in imagination. I do it by writing it out in words. Yeah. Well, if you ever text Beth, she never uses emoji because we tease her that she is the living emoji. I'm a living emoji. <laughs> right? Uh, emoji would be overkill for me. <laughs> it, it just would be too much. So, no, I never use one because I am one. She does. Yes. And, and, but I'm the emoji person because I don't have the words like, so we're kind of complete opposites in our way of communicating. Um, and I love that about you. You know what I love? I love that this book, the name of it, Feathers from My Nest, because when you were raising those children, you never thought about what they were going to leave behind no, when they went to college. Absolutely. When they grew up and when they launched out on their own. Now, you said earlier you wanted your children always, you, you raised them to be strong women. Yes. You raised them to, to go out of the nest. Yes. But when you were raising them, you never really thought about the reality of when they left the nest. No. And that's really what this book is about. Absolutely. It's about the reality of, I've raised my children now they've left the nest. Exactly. And, and it seemed to go on and on. And it seemed like some of the days of difficulty would never end. And then suddenly it really has come. Not to an end as far as that you're still their, their parent. But an era has definitely ended. Yeah. And it comes with a reckoning. Because you just think back on all of it. And I mean reckoning in a, in a good way. I'm just saying that there's no way not to have a wrenching of heart. And I did, Victoria, what you're saying, I did raise mine to launch. I mean, to me, that really, isn't that our goal? That we're going to hopefully send these young adults out into the world equipped uh, for what they're going to run into, what their challenges will be, that they've had uh, a lot of opportunities to make mistakes in a safe place, mm -hmm. uh, to learn a lot of hard lessons and uh, hopefully a lot of fun lessons, and that we, we want them to launch. Mm -hmm. But then when they do, I mean, it is an absence like no other absence because it the volume just drops i mean from <laughs> 10 down to about 2 and i remember victoria when the second one when my youngest one went to college I, literally that one i had i came back in the car with my husband my husband drove my oldest daughter was uh, she she did not have to go back to class for a couple of days she was at a&m Melissa was at Baylor at that time, and I literally, after I said bye to Melissa, Melissa comes over to me. I, I was thinking of the third reason why I needed to run to Walmart. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm gonna be right back. And she comes over to me, she gets me by the shoulders, and she said, Mother, you've done everything. It's done. Oh. And she said, she said, you, you are gonna have to go get in that car. And I literally, I couldn't speak. I, I turned, I, I hugged her, because I knew, I knew she was right. I turned around. I did not even wait on my husband or my oldest daughter. I mean, I started trying to get to the car as fast as I could. I literally curled up in the back seat. I'm so, so embarrassed to admit to this. But that, just that last one going, I curled up in the back seat. I cried for 30 minutes. And then I sat straight up and said, have we come to that Mexican food restaurant yet? <laughs> and, you know, I... Because I had to douse it in salsa. The only way I could deal right then is that I had, honestly, I had to drink salsa in order to get through it. And I had to drink it on the edge of a tortilla chip. So that, that was, it was huge. And when, then when regular living, so I, I would go to work in the morning. I'd had my, my time with with God in the morning, my, my, what we would call a devotional time or a quiet time. I don't like to call it a quiet time because it's not very quiet at my house because <laughs> I can get raucous with God. You know, I can. I can just like get into the scriptures and read them aloud. And, but I would come in 
from work in the afternoon and it would be before Keith got home. And I would just have to go back to my table again and have another one because I did not know what to do with myself. I do now. You know, a friend was asking me a few minutes before we started uh, the program, but weren't you glad? Yes, of course, there are a hundred things that you're happy about, just that you're not washing someone's clothes all the time, <laughs> that, you know, that you're not making up their bed when you'd really hope that maybe one time in their life they actually would make it themselves. <laughs> you know, all of these things, but still it was like you don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. Or at least I didn't. Yeah. You know, I love that saying, you know, everyone has heard it, more is caught than taught. Yes, yes. So you can teach your children and teach your children, but unless they see the example lived out, you know, they're, it's not going to really no. make a difference in their life. So you talk in the book that when you saw these different, you know, their belongings when they left behind, and then you saw them out, and maybe they went through some difficult times, and you saw how what they learned in their home yes. made all the difference in the world. Talk a little bit about that because no, no, we, we want to think our children are perfect, but none of them are. They're all, we're all going to face challenges. Well. You know, we're all, <laughs> Lori. except for Lori's. Well. <laughs> but we're all going to face challenges. I think that's the worst thing for a mother, don't you, is that you want to carry your children around just on a little silver platter yes. and don't let them get hurt. But you know what they that's part of that's part of our growth. Uh, it really is, and what what you actually do want is that they're going to go through some of that under your roof, where you do get to be a shelter for it. So you don't want all of their experiences with hardship or heartbreak. It's one reason I, I had some friends that just like they said, I, you know, I don't want my kids to date until so and so. I Keith and I felt differently about it. We felt like, I, no, I want them to start dating in my home where I am able right. to be there around some of the dynamics that go with it. I don't want them to have launched and then they're going to start having relationships. We need to negotiate some of that in the safe place of our home. But I will tell you this, Victoria, there was no expectation for my kids to be perfect. And there's, of course, not for any of us. But mine had very, very imperfect parents. <laughs> and I, I want to say this because some somebody really needs to hear this today, lest you have an idea of something that our home might have been like that would not have been uh, accurate. Keith and I both came from a very dark place, uh, both families with deep struggles. He came from tragedy. Mm -hmm. He and his brother were in a house fire when they were little bitty boys, when Keith was just two and his brother was three and a half and his brother did not live. And I come from a, a background where in my home there was a lot of instability, very, very unhappy uh, marriage for my parents. And there I come from a background of a sexual abuse under, underneath the roof of my home. So I don't get more specific than that, but it's very traumatic. And so all of this moved in to the same home together. And of course it did because baggage attracts baggage. And I mean, Keith and I, all it took was that he was very handsome and he had a lot of baggage. And so we were, I thought, that is it, that is it, that is my guy. And uh, so one of the things that he told the kids, this is when they were grown, but he said when they were young adults and they were launching, he, he said to them, and it just as dryly, I wish I could do it just exactly like he did, he said, you're both going to need counseling because of your mother and I. And he said, when you do, I just want you to know that your father will pay for it. But it was, so that was us. That was us. So we, I can tell you, they way outdid their parents. They, they did much better than we did. Well, I, you know, none of us are perfect. And I, and I think we probably, we don't ever want to live without regrets. But I think there's always some things that we wish we could have done more. And I know there's a lot of people watching tonight that, that um, maybe didn't raise their children in a Christian home. You were a stay-at-home mom at that time, right? As they were coming up through elementary school and you did the carpooling and you... Yes. And you had a lot of time with them. Let me say, I, I, I was a mix because what I did is that from the moment they were in school, 
until the moment that I picked them up. I was working in that time. I was already, by the time they were in middle school and early high school, I had begun writing curriculum. So I was already writing Bible studies by that time. And so what I would do, and even when they were much younger than that, when they would go, even by the time the youngest one went to kindergarten, during that set of hours, I would go and speak at a luncheon in Houston or a breakfast of for women for whatever the occasion might have been. So I was doing all of that. So I, I was a stay-at-home mom as far as they were concerned because I was the one taking them and picking them up and I was there um, you know, most evenings just like, uh, just like very normal to them. But during the day, I, it was a totally different story. Uh, so I worked hard. But you got time. to spend the, the I time did. with them and I you did. got to teach them the Word of God. And there's I did. so many women though that don't get that opportunity. That's right. They don't, they um, might not have been saved at that time. Yes. And so there might be a lot of regret for women. Can we just touch on that, that it's never too late? Never, it's never too, too late. late. This is something that you to and I got to talk about a little bit before we even got to come out and serve is that we both felt so strongly, all three of us, that we want to make sure that you understand that God is so gracious and to look back on it, listen, I've got so many regrets and just so that you have uh, an accurate idea of a little bit about the dynamic in our home, my husband was not the deacon kind. I don't have a pastor husband. He was not into the same kinds of things. He went to church when he wanted to. And so some of the things that I was doing regarding spiritual upbringing, I was negotiating pretty carefully with what our home dynamic was so that I was not offsetting what he really also wanted to pour into him. So it wasn't a very easy thing and there was a lot of maneuvering around our dynamics. So all of us have regrets, but I wanna say something. I think this is so important, Victoria and Lori, that people hear. It's never too late to go back in there and say, not that we're going to relive their childhood, but to go back and really long for and fight for relationship, even with adult children that you were not close to when they grew up. Maybe you had lots and lots of problems when they were little. Maybe you feel like you have more regrets than you have things that you feel good about. I want you to know God is such a restorer, such a repairer of broken roads and bridges, and He's so faithful. And One of the things that I feel strongly about, and somebody needs to hear this, I don't think think that our kids expected us to be perfect. I think they expect us to be authentic. Yeah. And I think, don't you think? I, 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 think, I think what they resent is hypocrisy when we won't own it. And even if we look back and say, well, it's too late, I was a hypocrite. Then, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about coming back now and going, man, I wish so much that had gone differently. And I, I know that hurt you. And I want you to know, I am so sorry. Just owning owning where we think it went awry. I, I, I believe that when there is that authenticity, uh, humility, and when we have prayed, God, make the way for repair here. And we're willing to take the time. That's so important, sisters, that we're willing that sometimes when relationships have been worn down through years, they need a little time. We don't just jump back into instant closeness. Trust needs to be built up and, and to let it happen and to celebrate it as it does. And so please don't, don't lose hope. Don't let a program like this, oh, the last thing we would want is that this somehow gets on you with guilt. There, there tends to be so much guilt in a parenting and particularly, I think, I think motherhood, even more than, than fatherhood. I think we just think, oh, I, I did so many things wrong. Okay, 
God's so gracious. He's so merciful and faithful. Lay all of that out before him and just, Lord, how, how can we be a strong and healthy family now? He does things that are miraculous. I want to tell you one story before we go any further that has to do with this. A friend of mine told me not too long ago, I was just bragging on his dad. His dad is in his early 90s and just a fabulous man, a fabulous man. And he said, I, you know, I feel the need to tell you something. And I said, do. And he said, the man you know today is the man he has only been for 20 years. Now listen carefully. I said, well, okay, I'm, I'm trying to follow you here. And he said, oh, he had a serious drinking problem. And he named also temper, all sorts of issues going. And he said, this guy, that we have now has been given to us as a gift in the last decades of his life. And it had totally redeemed for them. It, it's not that they went and relived all of those years, but they got to finish out their father's life with a dad that had come around to restoration with laughter and joy and soundness of mind. And it was just miraculous. And I thought, you know, you would think 72 years, I mean, that's set in stone. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. What if the last five years went well? After 20 years, had went, the last five went well. You fight for it now. Yeah. Let God go before you and come in behind you. He's so merciful. That's so beautiful. So merciful. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, if you're just joining us and um, you don't know who Beth Moore is, I want to have you take a look at this. Author and speaker Beth Moore is a dynamic teacher whose conferences take her across the globe. Beth founded Living Proof Ministries in Houston, Texas in 1994 with the purpose of encouraging women to know and love Jesus through the study of Scripture. She has written numerous best-selling books and Bible studies for women of all ages and backgrounds. Beth is also featured as a Bible study teacher on TBN's Living Proof with Beth Moore. Her signature storytelling, shared with passion and humor, sets her apart as a minister. Viewers love her energy, often balanced with warmth and grace. If you are in Christ, you not only are in the right place at the right time, you have been gifted with the right gifts to be able to minister there. For Beth, teaching women of all denominations is what she's called to do. She'll be the first to tell you it's one of her greatest privileges in life. Beth Moore, here on Praise. We're talking about Feathers from My Nest. This is uh, Beth's book that we're making available to you tonight. Mother's Day is um, next month, and this would be a wonderful Mother's Day gift. There are so many incredible stories in here that I have been gleaning from Beth. And um, there's a specific story about binders <laughs> that I oh, just love. I, oh, I do want to recap oh, that. Oh, please do. Oh, I, I do. And uh, just to give you guys an idea of what feathers mean, it, it's things like this. I'll just tell you a couple of the, of the uh, captions, cliff notes that I found of theirs, index cards, old roses. Yes. that had just dried up and that they left, but they, I knew they had kept them for a particular reason. It was a pair of shoes. It was a cassette tape, a green cap and gown from high school graduation. But one of my very favorites is the binders because this particular child, for us, we had that firstborn that was just going to take school by storm. You know, that just she had was a very academic thinker from the very beginning, and she wanted to excel in school, and so that was just her thing. And she played sports, but my younger one, I mean, she excelled at sports. And her main thought was just 
t get the grades you have to get in order to play ball. Because in a public school, you have to get certain grade point so that you can play ball. That's all she cared about. So I've said so many times, she had to have been the most brilliant one in our family, Lori and Victoria, because she did not study for a single exam growing up, not a single one. And she would just look at the textbook on the way in the car at the lights when she drove. You know, this was the way that she, that she, uh, approach school, but every time she wanted to make a new start, she got a new binder. And I could always tell when she was gonna make a new, this was a new effort. She was gonna make those grades. She was gonna get in there and she was gonna do this thing. She was gonna become a serious student. Every single time, be, mom, I'm gonna need you to take me, whether it was to Walgreens, whatever. I'm gonna need you to take me to the store. And I would, why, what, what is it you need? Well, I need a new binder. And by the time she left, for college, now understand with me, that child then went to college when she no longer had ball to distract her and her grades were incredible. And she did fine before, but what I mean is she just was gonna play ball. But when she went to college and I went back to clean out uh, some things from her closet, not her stuff, but just trash, things that needed to be thrown out, I could not touch those binders. And there were at least 20 of them at least 20 of them, where we just started over and over and over and over and over and over. And to me, it's such a picture of Jesus because we do get to start over and over and over and over. And I don't know who else needed this, but in the worst way, I needed new beginnings. I needed new starts. And I needed a chance for a new binder over and over. Sometimes when I was going through, I had such a wobbly walk and, and departed the path so many times and just tumbled in the ditch. And so often I would even start a new journal. I would think, well, I know I need to start all over with brand clean pages. And sooner or later, then I'd also be writing down something in that journal that I was not happy about, that I regretted. But God was always there for me, always giving me a brand new start, always feeling like I could go back at it again and that the slate was clean. And I, I just don't know where we would be if we did not know that. That's right. I just... Okay. And so... If, if we don't demonstrate that, if we're not forgiving with our children, if that, if that slate doesn't get to be clean with us, if we're the kind of parent that is very punishing, I just think we have to be so careful, even in our discipline. I mean, and I'm telling you, when they've messed up, and I'm all for, and I was when I was raising them, I didn't, I wasn't their buddy, I was their mom. And so we would have to figure out, this is gonna, this privilege is gonna have to be withheld. Uh, this is how we're gonna have to do this. But what I had to be careful about, our tendency is just in our natural person to be punishing to someone who's really, really blown it, especially if we've told them and told them and told them and told them. I don't know if this was your situation, sisters, but I can remember so many times in my home when I would have said it quietly the first 15 times. And then I'd finally say, get downstairs. And I'd go, you didn't have to yell. I did not yell the first 14 times. You know what I'm saying? But what can happen is that this, we can have all sorts of ways that we go cold on them, mm. um, punish them for, for disappointing us. And I just cannot say enough to somebody that is starting out or your kids are still in the home. Uh, there's a new chance today to start again where that's concerned because we, we certainly do want there to be wise perimeters we certainly do want there to be ways that we discipline when a kid is going uh, left on us. But what we don't want to do is withhold affection right. and withhold um, warmth and uh, love. I feel like, especially if a kid feels shamed, that's the time, more, maybe more than any other, that you pull that kid into your arms, into your lap. I mean, my, both of my daughters outgrew me in height. 
both of them. And every now and then I'd stand on the bottom step of our home. We had a two-story home and I'd stand on the bottom stair and go, come here to me right now. So that I could be bigger than them and put my, put my arms around them because they just, they, they, they need the safety of knowing there's nothing I can do to make you not love me. And so we're demonstrating, we're hoping to teach them that from the word about God. But if they can't see any of that in us, and chances are, if, if that's us, if our way is punishing, if we have a hard time forgiving, in all likelihood, we see God that way with us. Yeah. That we're passing down what we feel has been the way that we've been dealt with. And so I just encourage somebody mm. to um, let God bring healing to that heart and know that He is not punishing and He is not... Um, angry at us and mad at us for our mistakes and that there is grace to be restored and forgiven and that we're demonstrating that as, as hard as it may be at times. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. Don't you think one of the, one of the things that we have to be as parents is not prideful? Absolutely. <laughs> Expound you, on that. Son. Well, if you have children, you cannot be prideful. I think when you, uh, many times we discipline our children out of our own pride for either we want them to be perfect or they've hurt our feelings. They're not doing what we want them okay. to do. You know, so there's a multitude of things that, that are, are really our pride. And I think many times I know with my children, I've had to tell myself, you know, and sometimes there is no, uh, in the heat of the moment, you, there is no resolution. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just have to dis go distract Sorry. yourself, distract your children. <laughs> yes. When those little, that little child won't come, you know, sometimes it's like, look at these beautiful flowers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and a distraction because sometimes it becomes just prideful. Yes. You're going to do what I want you to do no matter what. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I really feel like that many times that's how we can deal with our children if we're not careful. God doesn't deal with us no. in a prideful manner. Thank you, Jesus. God that's is, so is good. He, <laughs> he, you know, He looks at us as loving, like you were saying, He's a loving, kind God. He's not a prideful God. He doesn't deal with us according to his pride. Yeah. He deals with us according to his love. Yes. And I think when we look at our children and it's not about, well, if you have teenage children, you can raise your hand right now. They're going to say, mom, why are you wearing that? Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, and you could be offended. Yes. You know, it, it never goes away. No. And it, it comes in many different forms. And I find myself really having to watch how I deal with my children now they're grown, how to listen to them, how to allow them to have an opinion. Yes. Not do it my way because I'm your mother. This is the way we've done it. This is the way you should do it. But to be open and to watch my words and to not be prideful because I'm older than you are. Don't you know that I've, I've lived longer than you? But to really give them room mm -hmm. to, to be individuals, the individuals that I hope that I've modeled for them to be. They're not going to be me. But, you know, so I think sometimes, don't you think that we deal in pride? And I think you're If we'll just right. take a minute to step back and say, okay, what's going on with me right now? Absolutely. I think this is a really good time to build on that idea. As you were describing that, I was thinking how often in parenting we get frustrated because we want our kids to act like someone else's kids or to excel in the way that somebody else's kid excels and uh, play sports, make the grades, get the accolades, whatever. We, that is also yeah. a form of Absolutely. pride in parenting. Even in your home, one of the things that I, I had to learn along the way, any of us who have had more than, than one kid know that they are as different. It's so different that it seems like how in the world <laughs> could you have come up in the same home and come from the same parents. I don't know how this happened, but what, what I yeah. love the proverb that says, train up a child in the way he or she, not children in the way they, he right. or she should go. And for my children, they were so different. And I didn't let them see one another's report cards ever. I tried to keep very separate 
that they would not be in competition with one another and that the expectations would not be for them somehow to uh, be a mirror image of the other one's uh, victories. I just, I didn't like any of that, but I think that it's so easy to do that we compare and especially it would take such a load off of us just to know, you know what, that's their kid. These are mine. These are the ones entrusted uh, to me. And I don't need them to act a certain way for me to get the esteem that I am after. That we just put that to death and just let's raise some kids. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things that my parents told me is that what, what you do um, out there is a reflection on what happens inside our home. You know, and so we were a reflection of my mom and dad. That was pressure, <laughs> you know, to be the example. We were the pastor's kids. Oh, yes. You know, okay. but, but the, the authenticity um, of being the same because, man, you hear so many, so many testimonies of people that said, I was raised in the, you know, perfect Christian home. But, boy, when we got home by ourselves, there was all kinds of stuff. Yes. You know, in those homes. What do you think is the most important um, things for young mothers today because this is a different world and I you know sometimes you're a grandma now I am <laughs> I am very proud grandma yes I am how do you deal with your grandchildren differently than you did your own your own babies well for one thing now we have a screen world that has to be watched in a whole different way yeah. And where I would have thought that a kid could walk in the other room with an iPad, it took my daughter, now this is when they were young enough and they were playing games on it. It took my daughter reminding me because she is a mother in this generation of kids under the roof that are three and 10 and 13. And this would have been several years ago that she just said, remember mother, screens only right in front of you. And I said, oh, you are absolutely right. I said, baby, she said, I said, you know, it did not occur to me yet. And she said, but mom, we won't know the moment. She said, we have to do it now because we won't know the moment when it changes enough where they can go chasing down some things mm -hmm. on that screen that we're not watching. And so those kinds of things are so different today. Mm -hmm. Having to monitor and watch after uh, that there are not predators online. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. I um, was a nosy mother, and I believe in being a nosy mother. I do, I do. Listen, I felt like any note left out was for me. I mean, if it, I, I would not necessarily, now I can't tell you that I wouldn't go digging because if I, there's nothing, I, you know, I would have torn through walls if that's what it took, if I thought my kid was really, really headed for danger, there's, right. I, I would not think twice no about them saying, but my privacy, I mean, yeah. like, oh, please. Yeah. I, you what? have no privacy. <laughs> you are me. an adolescent, you know, and they go, you don't trust me. I, of course I don't trust you. You think I'm crazy? <laughs> you, don't, you can't trust yourself. But I, but I felt like that to, to try to read into what was not being said was very important. One of the things, get them to talk. I don't care what you have to do. And sometimes it means going somewhere. I could, I like, I, for instance, I could go with the girls shopping. We wouldn't even have to buy anything. But somehow, even going through the rack, we could start having conversations. And all of a sudden, their defenses were down. And I'd learn all sorts of things. I carpooled my girls. I would learn a hundred things I did not know on the way to school from their friends about my own kids. I go, oh, this is so interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, and you know, I'd act like I was just listening to the radio and I was all in it. I'd have to turn it down sometimes to <laughs> lean in. But you know, I just, I was all about being nosy and trying to tell what seems off, what, I'm not talking about being controlling, but let, let's admit it's a fine line. It's a fine line because, man, you do want to be alert, uh, very alert to what their mood not, tends to be when it gets stuck there, when they, they're down, if they're being bullied in any way, if they've had a broken friendship or getting made fun of. Uh, these, these are 
things that were always true, but now they've been magnified how many thousands of times yeah. because of online uh, different kinds of social media. So it's a whole new world, but we don't have a whole new God. We have right. the Ancient of Days, Amen. the eternal God who set us in exactly this, this time um, in history. And one of the things I want to tell you, in, in Psalm 25, there's this wonderful verse that says, you will keep my feet out of the net. And I cannot tell you how often I take these scriptures and I pray them over my family that we would not be seduced uh, by um, the evil one, that we would not be caught in a snare, that with the enemy set a snare for one of my family members, that he would get caught in it himself, that, that we would not be gullible, that we would be, that my kids would be wide-eyed and alert to a lot of the things that were um, going on around them and that they would be open with me. And I, I had one so open that there were times that I thought, you know, there is two open. There's, <laughs> there's two open, but I'll take two open over not open enough. So it's just a constant navigating, isn't it? So. I love the fact that I like you talk about that, really praying the Word of God yes. over your children. Yes. No matter what you see, no matter 100%. what's going on. Talk about that a little bit, because okay. I think that's so important. That's one way to be vigilant, not, the, not only the communication. I mean, I think we should com start communicating when they're little. Yeah. And just continue to do That's it right. as they, 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 it's something they, it's not foreign to them. Yep. It's not like the day they walk out the door to have their first date, you want to sit down and talk about That's it. That's right. You've been talking and talking and talking. Yes. So, but I think that, that praying, if you think that something's going on with your kid fast, you know, I'm telling you that will break some stuff. Over it's and over. powerful. It's powerful. I do not know another approach any more powerful. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. There are some battles that we realize, hmm, we've probably gone as far as we're going to be able to go verbally. I'm talking about with our, with our kids that we've got, okay, I'm going to have to really press into fighting this battle in the heavenlies. This is so true. I want to say this. This is especially true if you have adult children because at this point now you are out of control you're not at the helm of it anymore. And now you're, and so you're wanting to still to fight battles in their behalf in the heavenlies. And you do that through prayer. And so I'm with Victoria 100%. I mean, to this day, I even have right now several pages that are scriptures that I've turned into prayers uh, for my kids that I'll pray several of them at, at a time. And I'll just go through that and then pray them over and over where um, there is such power to put together those sticks of dynamite. It's just like tying together two sticks of dynamite. There's prayer and the word of God, and I'm gonna put them together and I'm gonna pray those things yes. over my kids. What is it What is it you want them to end up being like? What, what kind of character, what, what is it you hope for them? Find that in the scriptures. Yes. Start praying that. For me, the number one thing, the number one thing, I want my children to love Jesus. And, and I want y'all to hear me say something. I, I'm not just trying to sound spiritual here. I, I mean it in every way because if they do over and over, if you look up what happens when we love God, we will persevere through difficulty. We will um, always, always uh, want to seek home again when we've strayed. We won't be able to let there be much distance between us. We will find our joy again. He, they will serve him. If they love him, they will serve him. If they love him, they will also find some joy in him. And so to me, that was more important than any amount of rules, any amount of um, Legalism just was not my thing. It's not the way I wanted it to go down. I wanted them to be able to say, my mom thought that Jesus was the biggest blast in all of life. She, she, she enjoyed him. And I, I want I want what she's got. I wanted it to be that way so badly. And, you know, you can't always, that's not always the way it gets to go down because sometimes you don't get the luxury of just being 
oh, we're just so happy and enthusiastic today. Some days and some seasons are hard, yeah. but that they would know that that would carry them through anything. And I knew that, that if, if for any reason I didn't see them to adulthood, if they loved him, mm -hmm. if they loved him, I knew they, they will make it. Yeah. They will make it. Their path might be difficult, but they'll make it. Mm. They'll make it. You know, I think <laughs> one of the most important things for me as a mom is that, um, you know, your children are always watching you. Yes. And um, the, the thing that I've wanted to encourage moms is when we go through stuff as adults, I mean, it's not just children. <laughs> they think that, you know, drama kind of surrounds them, but the parents, I mean, drama surrounds all of us every yes. day, you know, and, yes. and we're, we're constantly walking in faith and moving in God and trying to do our part in the kingdom and whatever. But for us to show our children how to do it yes, and to live well and to show them that life of faith, because I can glean, you know, I look at, at my folks, my mom and dad, my, my in-laws um, and watching them through the years. I mean, there's probably not a day that goes by even today that I don't think, I wonder what Mama Jan would do, or I wonder what my dad would say, yes. or, you know, and if we can just be conscious that little eyeballs are watching us do life and to show faith strong um, and show them how to stand yes. when there's storms, even, even if you have to go cry in the closet. I'm yes. not saying that you don't cry in front of your kids, but break down somewhere else. Don't break down in front of your kids. Go, go break down by yourself and get before God, but then show your children what you're doing together and walking a life of faith and show them how to do it. Yes. I think that's so powerful. And, and I glean from watching my in-laws and my family um, go through things and they saw miracles. They, they saw mountains move in their day of, you know, of things. And I just think that's so important for us today. Oh, I think so too. And I think to never lose sight of the fact that nothing is too difficult for God. God in control. That he, that he, I, I remember Keith, I, I've heard Keith tell this so many times that he, that we had really asked God. We felt so messed up that we thought, well, maybe by the third or fourth generation, it'll be better in our family. I mean, that is how wrecked we felt and you know then to see our children not make some of the same poor yeah. choices that we made was such a beautiful thing because we got to see oh my goodness he did it so much earlier than we we believed him to he he's performed miracles and yes. you know for us we we did not have the luxury of acting like we had it all together because Keith and I between us we had difficulties and we had problems. So they weren't getting raised in a vacuum of, uh, of perfect stability. They could see that there were a lot of difficulties that we were navigating in our own marriage. And one of the things that I just think, and I'm just wondering who might be watching or listening that, that needs to hear this, that gets to speak into the lives of of families, one of the things that I find frustrating sometimes is that we'll have family conferences and they'll be primarily about like how to have the best family devotions. Now, please, please don't <laughs> misunderstand me. I'm so glad y'all are laughing. I didn't know if this would be offensive, but you know, I'm going like, family devotions? We're trying to stay married till the weekend. <laughs> Can anybody go with me there? I mean, like, what do you mean? I mean, I, I, I would have liked to have had that. Right. That wasn't our dynamic. Yeah. We were trying to survive. <laughs> and, and you know what I realize now that I did not realize raising my family because Keith and I were messed up enough to have to live very honestly 
I'm, I'm thinking that we are the only ones that are messed up like this mm. because nobody else seems to be owning up to it. <laughs> well, I find out later, you know, they were nearly as messed up as we were. Every now and then I'll come back to Keith and go, you know what, they acted, they looked down <laughs> on us and they had the same problems that we had, mm. but we felt so indicted by them and to <laughs> just get out from under that. And golly, you, you will not make it in your parenting if you don't believe in grace. How will we make it? Okay, feathers from my nest. Uh, Beth Moore is just an amazing writer. She's hilarious and she's one of my greatest favorite um, Bible teachers of all times. You can catch her program every Wednesday night right here on TBN called Living Proof. It's at uh, Wednesdays 10 p.m. Eastern time. Beth, we've got just a few more minutes left in this program. I just want you to minister to your heart. There's so many beautiful people watching tonight. I, I would love to do that. I would love to. I would love to just pray Please for families. Do. Just Please pray for do. families. I want to tell you also if if it gets you a little bit down talking about parenting and you think you know what I God just never gave me children. I, I never had children. There's this beautiful place in the uh, very end of the book of Romans where Paul is doing all of his buys and his greetings. And he talks about his friend Rufus and he says, greetings to Rufus's mother who was also a mother to me. And he also had spiritual sons, Timothy and Titus. And I just want to tell you something, God has a way for you to be able to sow into someone yes. that uh, is true parenting. So I want, to, I want to pray that for you. God, I thank you that you are a God of restoration. You are a God of repairing the breach. And I just ask you, Father, I specifically want to pray this as we close because my feeling is that somebody needs the hope that you could come even now. She, she or he thinks it's too late and that's not true. That's not true. There's life and breath in our lungs and, and you are hope to us every day. You are our blessed hope. And I am asking you, Father, would you work within these homes and within these families and within these relationships that you have bound together? Would you work wondrously and so mercifully, Father? Would you would you restore relationships that have been broken? Would you bring prodigals home, God? Would you just turn their faces back toward home? Would you maintain faith and hope in the hearts of people who feel like that it's dwindling right before them, God? You are so good and your grace, Father, knows no ends. It knows no bounds, Father. Come, we pray, invade every single home. Invade every relationship, Lord. Bring health and hope wholeness, God, and do it in such a way that there's such a release of joy. I pray, Father, lastly, that you would bring laughter. It was the gift to my home and all of our hardships, Lord. You gave us the ability to somehow be able to laugh about the most ridiculous things. Would you give them the gift of laughter and do it in such a way they know it's you? In the mighty and magnificent name of Jesus, amen. amen. you've never done a Beth Moore Bible study, I encourage you. <laughs> I love her Bible studies and she just breaks down the word. As you can tell, she's just down to earth and just the sweetest thing in the whole wide world. I love you with all I my heart. I love you too, Lori. Thank you think so much for having me. Thank you for sharing your gift. The way she breaks down the word of God and feeds it to the rest of us is absolutely priceless and I love you for that. Thank okay. you for saying that. These are people that love you, and you're just amazing. It's life out of the ditch. Yeah. You just bring such life, and I love you. I love you, my sister friend. Thank you. I've had such a good it was time. So fun, I love Victoria, being with my Texas girl and my California girl. <laughs> Couldn't be happier. But thank you for being with us. We love you so very much. Thank you for supporting. Again, Feathers from My Nest is available for you this month. You're going to love it. I love you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.